Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to No Pointers with your hosts, Gerald, Stephen, and Mark. Today, we're going to infinity and beyond. We're going to talk about code spaces. So how cool would it be to have just like a serverless development environment where you don't have to worry about the hardware that is running on, uh, all the SDKs, all the gigabytes that you have to install, just, you know, you just go to a URL, you open the thing and you can start coding. How awesome would that be? Um, I mean, you could just focus on the thing that is most important to you, uh, which is developing and that's what's going to be uh, the subject of this episode. We're going to talk about code spaces, a subject near and dear to my heart. Um, but first, as always, let's go into a little bit of news. So, Mark, I know that you just went on vacation. Um, of course, all COVID safe, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Um, of course. What did you do? Well, um, so Switzerland is mainly mountains. Um, so I, I went to the mountains. Uh, I went into uh, the canton of uh, Graubünden, uh, which is uh, in the Alps. Um, there are many famous ski resorts there. And uh, we went hiking. And uh, there was the Swiss national holiday on August the 1st. Uh, we were there. And there was it's like a tradition that you put fires, uh, bonfires, the English term, like big fires uh, on, on mountaintops and that was really nice being in the mountains in front of a big fire and then the moon even came up above the mountaintops it was like really really romantic uh, very nice and uh, yeah I, I hope I will have another nice vacation maybe next year in the mountains and, and I can uh, have another memory like that oh that sounds fantastic but today is we're 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 i'm just going to spoiler it we're recording this on monday so today it was just boom back to reality mailbox a thousand emails yeah that was that was reality wasn't it uh but talking about mailboxes i got no idea how this segue will end up well uh another thing that was this monday is i think it's quite hot out there at least here in switzerland we got uh above 30 degrees celsius which is uh probably about 3562 Fahrenheit, something like that. That's about right. Uh, yeah, I thought so. Uh, and so I must say, one thing that I'm missing about the mountains is the nice, cool air. Uh, so how are you guys dealing with this nice summer heat? I don't think you can deal with it if you are not born into it, I guess. Um, it's feeling pretty Mediterranean down here in the Netherlands, at least. It's been, I think, 35, 36 for a few days now. Mm -hmm. and. The next few will also be similar temperatures. I think all the way till Friday. I just spoiled. Oh it's, it's Monday now. I think it's all the way to Friday. And then whenever it ends, it's always like with lightning and thunder and all those kinds yes, of fun things. Yes, it always ends bad. And thunder, I don't have good experiences <laughs> with that. So let's let's just leave that for now. Um, but coping, yeah. I think the only way that we are coping, at least, is by shutting all the shutters and windows and everything making it dark everywhere and just pray that the heat stays out we have a, a fan downstairs but on my office it's just it's hot yeah same here i'm all the way up in the attic and it's just very warm and we have the same thing so we're actually in a, a region in the netherlands because i know for a fact that it's not 
everywhere like this but yeah we have those shutters on the outside of the window so that means you can make it like very dark on the inside which is good but it also helps in in these situations where the sun comes out and you can just put them down it's not very great work environment because you know you don't see any sunlight but uh it it helps cope with this incredible warmth because yeah it's it's not that often here it's just a few days maybe weeks per year so yeah not everyone has air conditioning installed i see more and more people installing it now by the way um and we are thinking about it as well so you know um but for now just have a fan um lot of lots of water yeah same here same here uh i must say in switzerland acs are, are becoming you can see them more and more uh but we don't have one at our house so it's the same technique as you have close the shutters in the morning let all the cool air in the night and then just uh hope that your home is insulated well enough so it can res- resist this heat wave until it ends uh another bonus that i'm having i'm living like really close to the rhine and the Rhine is right now about 23 degrees, 24 degrees, some, which is quite warm for the Rhine. And so we can go swimming in it. And that's uh, that's nice when working from home. Uh, walk down, jump into it, have a little swim, go back, continue working and like nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. Or not, and just stay there. Yeah, that would be that would be something, wouldn't it? Coding on the Rhine with mm-hmm. the laptop. Mm-hmm. I probably would lose the laptop though. That, that might be an issue. But losing laptops is is probably a thing or a nightmare of the past when using code spaces. Am I right, Gerald? Or, or what's this all about? Please give me the elevator pitch or the deeper intro, whatever you prefer. That's absolutely right. So what you can do with code spaces is basically what's happening right now is that the the IDE basically, so the uh, the thing that you're typing your code in and um, the engine, let's call it the engine that does all the hard work, uh, is going to be separated. Uh, so that the engine can run where everything runs in the cloud. Uh, so, you know, with that, you unlock uh, uh, lots of new scenarios, what you can do. Um, so basically what Codespaces is right now is like this cloud-driven IDE, uh, which runs on Azure. Um, and all the, the really like compute-intensive tasks, uh, like compiling, debugging, um, that runs in the cloud. Uh, so basically, I think what we are trying to do is like uh, very simply put uh, is to overcome the problem where you have the readme file. Uh, so you can throw that away. You don't need that anymore. You can just spin up a code space and it will have all the bits installed that you need to start uh, developing right away. Uh, so you don't even need that readme anymore because you can just start writing code, running the application um, right from from starting a code space, so that's that's very very short for what it is. That sounds really cool, and you touched on some really cool stuff there. So that means I can actually run this dev dev environment on my iPad, even maybe on my iPhone. So iPhone, I mean, in theory, probably you could. Um, I don't think that's something that you would want because that means a lot of scrolling and things. And, um, yeah, I don't think you'll be very happy doing that. Um, but anyway, yeah, on your iPad, that should definitely be a possibility because, uh, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of development in this area. Um, uh, so because everything's going to be separated, you could even, there is a private preview right now. 
uh, that lets you run like the, the full Visual Studio 2019 on Windows, uh, basically as a thin client, and that connects to um, a, a code space in the cloud. So um, yeah, it, it does all the, the hard work in the cloud, but you're still using Visual Studio 2019 um, on your desktop with IntelliSense. All the things that you know and love uh, are just running on, on your desktop. But the other thing that's very, um, that's very cool about this is that it uses mainly VS Code at this point. Um, and VS Code runs as a, is it Electron? I think so. Uh, at least it's a lot of TypeScript and JavaScript kind of things, um, but it it it's basically a web-based application. So um, a while ago, uh, VS Code already ran from within the browser, um, and that's also now what's happening with um, uh, Code Spaces. So if you there's another private preview uh, running for GitHub right now, and um, I'm in that private preview as you. Um, probably expect for someone who's working on this actual product. Um, and the real cool thing is that um, in a repository, you could click like, does it say clone or code? I don't know. And you click on it and it says like, okay, do you want to download this as a zip or do you want to, I have uh, the GitHub desktop client installed as well, or it says, do you want to in, uh, open this with, with your GitHub desktop client? Uh, but now also in that same dropdown, I have a button that says open in a code space. Um, and the only thing it does basically is bring me to a new web page, uh, which loads uh, a VS Code, um, exactly like VS Code um, interface, uh, with all the code and everything that I need. And um, yeah, you know, I can I can just start coding. That's super cool. So does that mean in the future when I'm dabbling with a new open source project, I'm just trying to browse through the files, I can actually. Uh, explore the repository without having to clone it or yeah when I'm just yeah want to find some class or so I can just easily uh, go to definition and stuff like that yeah absolutely so I mean sure there is probably if you are power user enough there's probably going to be some limitation at some point uh, but all the things all the the IntelliSense the IntelliCode um, go to definition whatever is is all there uh, also, I mean, the Visual Studio Code, uh, you, you could use that from like the GitHub web page directly, but you could still use also the, the standalone uh, VS Code one. Um, and what they have in the works right now is also uh, something that is called, I think, extension syncing or, or whatever. So VS Code has a lot, a lot of extensions uh, and for all these kinds of things, right? So if you're working on C-sharp code, it will pick up on that and it will even suggest you like, hey, you might want to use these extensions to actually debug it. Uh, same goes for Python or JavaScript or I don't know, all the things. Yeah, you can you can automatically sync these extensions. These will also be available then in the environment that you spin up within um, GitHub, and uh, you will have all the support and all the things that that you're used to on your actual uh, desktop environment. So if I'm at a at a birthday party and I'm really getting bored, I can just walk on to a computer and start coding. Yes, exactly. Yes, or like Mark, if you you know. You think like, okay, I've seen the moon, I've seen the mountains. Let's pop out that iPad and do some hardcore coding um, while your wife is, I don't know, reading some kind of love romance. novel. Love romance. novel. Thank mm. you. I was I was looking for that romance. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you, that's something you can definitely do. Yeah. While pretending to relax, 
that that sounds great. And you're telling me that this will happen without my Chrome um, service eating up almost all of my memory. I can't make any promises about that, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, and of course you mean um, uh, Microsoft Edge, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's probably going to be some ram eating or or that kind of stuff going on but probably not more than uh, any other um, big web application that is out there that's super cool especially the part so if i so i can like define my id my visual studio code on github like i have it now locally with with all my favorite plugins did i understand that correctly yes exactly and it can even be the the other way around if you go uh, so hypothetically if you have access to this private preview and you would go for instance to uh the microsoft docs any microsoft docs repository um there's also the other way around because you know you would also there's there's different scenarios possible with these code spaces you could use it for um, like like the thing that you mentioned on GitHub, if you want to contribute to open source software, uh, but you don't want to mess up like your whole local environment uh, with all the bits that you need to set up. I mean, then all the fun is already out of it, right? If you first have to download all the things, uh, get a specific version of whatever, uh, then then I I'm I'm already done. I I'm, I've lost all fun, and uh, I don't want to do that. Um, but what you also could do is like set this code spaces thing up for a um, specific environment. So maybe you have some kind of legacy application um, that you that requires a specific setup for your dev environment. Um, and of course, you just have your personal preference. Maybe your uh, code space runs in dark theme and you have the uh, what's that that font that everyone is crazy about the comic font. Uh, yeah, that one. No, the other one. Uh, <laughs> ah, I can't remember. The, Wait, the what, one... what kind of font are we talking about? So the one specifically for development by Microsoft. Oh, Cascadia. Yes, exactly. That, that, is that the one with the glowing fonts? I I still am looking for the name with the one with the glowing. Did you ever see it? You know, like some are writing and then the highlighted words that sometimes seems like they're glowing. I have no clue what you're talking am about. Am I right digressing now? here? Yes. You, you Glowing fonts? Are you are you drinking again? Not during the show. <laughs> Never during the show. Um, so you know you, you want to maybe use that specific font. You want to have all these kinds of personalization, maybe on your um, actual like personal level or on the uh, dev environment level. So there's basically two ways that you could do it. Uh, one of them is the dev container, which is basically a JSON file. Uh, and in that JSON file, one of the things that you can do is specify the uh, extensions for VS Code that might come in handy for um, editing this um, this particular repo. So um, coming back to the Microsoft Docs repos, if you go in there and open that in a code space, it will have a dev container file and it will automatically pull in the um, VS Code extension uh, which is, I think, the docs uh, authoring extension or something, uh, which has a couple of tools because, you know, the Microsoft docs have a specific uh, markup for, for some things. Uh, so it will pull in some things that will help you to uh, 
make contributing to the docs easier by uh, pulling in that extension for you. Um, so you know you can you can also configure like how people will uh, start up this this code space, and um, you can provide them um, as the maintainer of a repository with um, the extensions that you think uh, will come in handy. Um, for editing it. That sounds actually quite cool. So so I imagine this is probably primarily for web projects or is that for any project where you can set up a a Docker container or, or what is it? How, how What do I have to think here? Like, um, I think for one, like web projects would be quite cool. So I could just like uh, say which linters I choose and all that and it just will be all packed into Visual Studio Code and whoever starts editing the stuff will be formatted correctly. But can I also choose some some heavy lifting stuff so i think for now indeed uh, we're focusing on you know making the concept work um and i mean web uh, projects are very uh are a very suitable target platform for this because uh, it's very easy to run that somewhere else and spin up a browser uh, window and and uh, see if if it does all the things that you intended it to do. Um, and of course, the other things is just like writing libraries and console applications and that kind of things. Uh, so that works too. Um, I'm not sure if that's in, I think that's in private preview as well, um, where you could do C++ things. Um, I think that's like like the main focus right now. Um, and of course, I mean, if this all works um, and and people are um, are happy with it, then yeah, we will certainly find ways to expand that into desktop applications and um, other things as well. Definitely. Yeah, I think especially on the as mobile developers, obviously, if if at some point you want to venture into UWP or something like that, but you're on a Mac. Um, especially with the Macs that are coming that don't let you allow or don't allow you to install Windows anymore. It, it might be a better option to just spin up a code space and do the Windows stuff and get back to normal again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, we're uh, probably somewhere is making plans about all of this. Uh, I'm not aware of any, uh, trust me. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a lot of work to be done before that happens. Also, like with the Xamarin stuff is, would be a really cool use case, definitely. Um, but, uh, and, and I think very useful, uh, because of, of all the hardware dependencies and, and cross-platform stuff that's going on. Uh, but yeah, I think it will take a, a, a while for that to, to actually happen. Uh, but Mark, you mentioned indeed the, the containers and, um, what it's running on. So yeah, we have like the Linux variant. I mean, uh, in the background, this all runs on, on VMs, right? I mean, the cloud is just someone else's computer. Uh, so for Linux, it's basically very easy because it just runs on containers. Uh, so it's it's very easy to set up, very lightweight, uh, very fast as well. Uh, for Windows, we are spinning up actually like full-blown VMs. So um, yeah, that runs actual Windows. And uh, you could, I mean, you if you would have the ability, you could RDP into it and you would just see the desktop. So um, running desktop applications on that would definitely be possible. Uh, then the only air quotes um, problem uh, would be to like, you know, how to get that output back to the user. 
Um, so, I mean, the future looks very bright. There is a lot possible with this. But for now, I think web, console, libraries, um, documentation kind of things. Yeah, that's that's what it's going to be all about first. I'm kind of intrigued now to, to give this thing a spin. Uh, I know that the private preview has been out for quite some while. Uh, but yeah, I just never found the time to, to really get into it. Uh, another question that I have for you, Gerald, is you, you mentioned this thing runs on Azure. And I guess if something runs on someone else's computer, that someone might want to get some payments for lending you their hardware. Is there any possibility that I can say, hey, I have my machine here set up as I wanted and then just offer that in, in co-spaces or something like that? Uh, yeah, so of course, uh, like I said, because it all runs on VMs and things, I'm not entirely up to date on what the actual cost would be. But yes, there will be costs, definitely. Uh, so there is also the option that would let you suspend uh, your code space after uh, a configurable amount of minutes. So I think it starts at five minutes up to like two hours. If you don't touch it, it will suspend automatically and it will um, cost significantly less. Uh, but, you know, if you have like uh, very specific use cases or uh, that you really have to run something on the hardware that is on premises or, uh, yeah, if you want to try it for free, maybe, I don't know, uh, there is or there will be the possibility to uh, also run it uh, self-hosted. Does that mean I can use uh, an instance with setup MS SQL Server and some private making air quotes here data stored on it yeah yeah definitely so uh of course if if you want to run something like that there's multiple things to do that right so one could be that you uh make a connection from a public code space to to that private environment somehow um uh, or indeed like the self-hosted thing that we just mentioned if you are really serious about keeping it uh, on premises and private and only to yourself uh then yes you would have to i mean the things that this is running on is is basically just it it well it sounds scarier than that it is but um it it will install an agent and that agent will basically take over your computer uh now it sounds like a virus it's it's not trust me. Um, but you know, that's what happens, right? And that agent will just communicate with uh, the Visual Studio instance or or the MS Build uh, engine or whatever you're trying to do with it. Um, so it, either if that runs on a VM on Azure or on your actual hardware, um, that doesn't really matter uh, besides the point that you are in charge of that actual hardware and um, replacing it or managing it or whatever. Now that sounds really interesting. So being able to to provision my, my own development environment might come in handy because I can think of a couple of scenarios where, yeah, I think a, a generic approach um, might not lend itself so well because the solution has got some quite odd dependencies. Another thing that sometimes I stumble over is like uh, the whole things with the ports, you know, like in the IT world. So what if uh, you need like some special ports uh, while developing stuff? Is there, is there a possibility how I can then like, uh, yeah, open them up like I do on an Azure VM? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? If you are working suddenly, if you are using this on GitHub, and you are opening your code space, but you uh, do not want to uh, 
start running and then suddenly your application is hosted and open for the rest of the world, right? I mean, that's probably not what you want, uh, especially if you're working on some kind of private repo or something and uh, stuff that is not for other people to see or not yet at least. Uh, so the thing that is happening there is like there is a port forwarding service. Um, again, that, that also hooks into that personalization thing. So the dev container that I mentioned earlier. Um, in that same dev container, you can not only specify uh, which kind of extensions you want to pull in, uh, but you can also say, okay, I want to open up port XYZ. Um, and what it will do is basically um, proxy those ports over to your own local host as if you were running on your own local host. So if you would then just go into your client, whether that's a browser or something else, and you would point that to localhost and then the port that you have set up, um, it would communicate with your project as if it was running on um, that same actual machine, as if you were actually running it on, on localhost. Um, so that is some cool magic going on right there. Um, I did not write any of it, so I don't know how it works, but I know it works because I've seen it and, and it's really, really cool. Um, so yeah, if you have any requirements like that, then you can simply um, open up your, your ports like that and um, run it as if it were uh, on your, your own machine. So, so that's pretty cool. So out of, out of pure curiosity, and if you can talk about it, um... If people at some point get into code spaces, which which things that you have built will they stumble into? <laughs> what parts did you have your? Ah, uh, so I'm on the. I mean, it's a big team, and though that big team is is uh, um, um, split up into multiple smaller teams, as you would expect. Um, and I'm actually on the the Windows and Enterprise team, so I'm. Uh, focused more on well Windows, uh, everything that's happening there, and uh, more on the the enterprise features. So things that are really like requested by our bigger enterprise customers. Uh, but if we stick to the Windows thing, um, then yeah, I mean, on Windows, like I said, a VM is is just spun up whenever you create a code space. Um, a agent gets installed, and that agent will do a number of things. It will uh, clone the repository for you. It will um, install all the bits that are necessary uh, or that you requested by the personalization thing. Um, and one of the things that I actually worked on is uh, something called the, the dot files, which is a uh, very nice concept. I didn't really know about it until I um, uh, got to work on it. Uh, it's it's more of a Linux thing. So it it the, the name refers to like the files that start with a dot. Uh, which are um, hidden uh, typically on, on Linux machines. And those dot files, uh, they are, you don't have to see them because they do all these kinds of configuration things. Um, so like I said, on Windows, it's not that big of a concept, but think of like uh, on Linux, you work a lot with terminals. So um, maybe you have a specific, I mean, maybe you're a hacker and your terminal is all black and, and, and green font and system font and or you have some kind of extension installed that will tell you uh, on the terminal how many changes there are in the Git repository that you're in right now, um, things like that. And also like if you're using NPM, um, the package manager, you can also have like uh, different feeds set up in there. So maybe a private feed or whatever. Um, 
that is comparable to how NuGet works, where you can have different feeds. Uh, so that's something that you can can do with such a, a dot file as well. Uh, so how I how we map that on Windows is like um, okay you can pull down a dot files repository I think if you're using it on GitHub today it will look at um, like hey do you have a public dot files repository in your GitHub account and it will automatically use that uh, but you can also configure it and what it will do is you can pull down a number of uh, PowerShell um, scripts uh, PowerShell runs on there of or just regular CMD. Uh, so batch files and that kind of thing. Um, and you can basically configure whatever you want through that. So you can run all the PowerShell commands. Uh, on PowerShell, you, of course, also have a terminal and you can um, you can use that as well. So you, if you put a profile.ps1 file on a certain um, point in, in the file system, then it will pick that up and it will run all the PowerShell statements in that uh, just before you open a new terminal session. So again, if you want to have your background um, uh, pink and your uh, your font uh, to be yellow, that's things that you could do in, in that profile thing. Uh, but you can also pull down a MSI and, and install all the bits for that so that you can use, I don't know, Chocolatey or, or come up with some other CLI tool. You can basically install all the things through those dot files and configure your whole machine and, and configuration the way you want and um, use it all that way. That's one of the bigger things I did right now. One of the things that was just announced is that um, the only front door for code spaces will be uh, GitHub. Um, and GitHub right now only does Linux. So to make them also support like the Windows VMs or at least uh, investigate if that's something that users are interested in, uh, we are now building some kind of um, proxy thing so that with your GitHub credentials, you can also create a uh, Windows code space. So um, yeah, that's just some of the things that that I've been busy with. Oh, wow. So this that mean with the dot file, it's like a hosted vm on a build agent where you then can set it up like you want and it might just take a bit longer until it's ready uh, so i can also use the throwaway or yeah so yeah you, one of the things that we've done for instance is like the whole wsl2 support um so that's like the linux engine running natively on windows um mm -hmm. and what i've seen someone do uh because we also needed to add the support for that my colleague um, Andrzej um, from Slovenia uh, worked on that. And one of the things that you could do, I mean, it sets up the Linux engine, but it doesn't install a, um, a distribution. Uh, so one of the things that you could do with like, uh, I mean, either the dot files and the dev container also lets you run certain commands. So there's also multiple ways to do uh, the same thing. Uh, but what you can do, what I've seen him do, is actually like uh, download the Ubuntu distribution um, and install that onto WSL2 um, and uh, add Docker support and, and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, then suddenly you will have a dev environment that has also Ubuntu and, and Docker. Wow. Now this, this stuff sounds really great, Gerald. I must admit, um, you got me very intrigued to try it out uh, so I can install my favorite VS Code plugins, which include, of course, the Vim key bindings. I mean, I <laughs> can live without them. I can set my console fonts the way I want it with the hacker theme that I'm just up to today. And if if the need ever arises, I could actually even set up my own the, my own machine that I could then use as, as a VM. I mean, I think the only thing that I'm still left is uh, actually to having to try it out. I don't know. Stephen, do you still have any questions? 
when can I get my grubby paws on it? Ah, well, again, that's I'm I'm just a simple developer, man. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, so I mean, if you if you are nice enough to me, then maybe I can get you on the list. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not going to start with that because then I will get too many questions of people who who, who want to do that. But um, you know, it's it's almost September. Um, I think there is this Microsoft event that comes up right around then. Um, so if I would have to guess, then there's probably going to be some announcement around that time. And I think you'll have a good chance that, um, you can use this for yourself. I can't wait. Sounds awesome. So maybe if you want to use it today, uh, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, GitHub is going to be like the exclusive thing for the time being uh, where you can create these code spaces. Uh, but there has been a, a preview right now, which lets you go to online.visualstudio.com where you can um, try it out right now. Um, also, I think the extension in VS Code is available for you today. Um, so you ha might have some ability to, to try that out today, but I'm not entirely sure when, um, yeah, when that's going to be, uh, shut down in, in favor of all the, the GitHub bits. So, um, well, you could, if you're fast, you can, you can maybe have a little preview, sneak preview, um, uh, or, you know, just message me and I'll be happy to hook you up with a session and, and show you all the cool things. And I think with that, we have wrapped up everything about uh, code spaces. I mean, there is much, much more. You've heard me talking this episode probably more than on any other episode. So um, there is much more to, to do about this. I'm very curious to hear um, if you have been able to play with code spaces, what did you think about it? Uh, or what do you think these uh, possibilities will offer you? Uh, what's the cool things that you can come up with? What are the things that you cannot wait for to try out with these things? Um, I'm, I'm basically curious about everything that's remotely connected to code spaces to, to hear from you. So please reach out on nopointers.io. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app. And we've been your hosts, Gerald Sverslaus, Stephen Davison, and Mark Halibon. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And until next week on No Pointers.